Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. It is 1.05 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott with you here on Oilers Now. Stoffer will check back in in about 25 minutes time. He's just getting all packed up as they head off to take on the Islanders on Long Island. One of the final games for the Oilers, if not the final, at uh, the Nassau Coliseum there. Oilers now brought to you by Digitex. Don't spend your valuable time meeting with door-to-door sales reps. Your all-in-one convenient location is Digitex.ca, Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. You can certainly keep in touch with us on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline. That's 780-496-0063. And you can text us at 630-630. That is the Oilers now text line. All right, we've heard uh, the Oilers side of things from pre-game festivities today, but we're going to check in right now with the Athletics' Arthur Staple. He is the lead beat reporter for the Islanders for the Athletic. Bob chatted with them before today's show. Let's get to that right now. So, Arthur, tell us about the New York Islanders and maybe the challenges that, you know, it was such a remarkable turnaround. Worst defensive team in the NHL to the best last year. You know, the team obviously big opening playoff series uh, victory. It's going to be difficult, isn't it, for this group to kind of replicate what they did last year? Yeah, you know, it, it, they didn't make a lot of changes, really. They, uh, you know, swapped out Robin Leonard for Semyon Varlamov, swapped out Val Filippola for Derek Broussard, but really pretty much everybody else is back, and I think uh, as unsexy as it is, if you're committed to playing that same team-first style, it's not a bad choice to keep the same group together because they know that they were able to prove the doubters wrong a year ago and there's still the same number of doubters they don't they don't measure out as a project out as a good team again especially with some of the changes in their division by some other teams but um, I think even through these first two games you can see they've given up three goals uh, they gave up two to Washington gave up one to a Winnipeg team that certainly seems to score even though they give up a ton and if they can get to that that, that level they got to the last three months of last season where they, they're very stingy defensively, their goalies only have to make one save, uh, and their, their structure is really good, and that produces some offense for them, they'll be just fine. You know, it's, it's, uh, it sounds kind of counterintuitive to say you don't make a lot of changes. Everybody always loves the changes, but I think what they did may end up helping them along on the way they play. Arthur, let's talk about the decision. What happened with Robin Lehner? Was there never the long-term deal in place for him? Uh, especially given that he resuscitated his career. And, you know, in football, uh, there's there's terms used like game manager on teams that have good defense. You just need a game manager. 
Well, this is a Mary Trotz we've seen. That's a good place for goaltenders to be. Simeon Varlamov, who, by the way, has horrible career numbers against Edmonton. Uh, Simeon Varlamov's a terrific athletic goaltender. Just a thought on maybe what happened to Lehner and what made Varlamov the guy here. You know, it was interesting that, that kind of contact week before July 1 where really all the deals end up getting done. Uh, it certainly seemed like even though there was nothing with Leonard until that point, um, that there was still something that could be done with the team, and, and they really didn't seem to be interested in anything longer than a couple of years, and and even that seemed to go away pretty quickly. I think, I think Leonard was caught off guard by that, uh, and really by the middle of that week, I think people were maybe speculating that they had their eyes on somebody else, and it turned out to be Varlamov. You certainly see the contract they gave him four times five. Uh, that's a big commitment for a goalie who lost his starting job last year after a decade in the league. But obviously, when it, when it comes to Mitch Korn, uh, if he identifies someone that he, he thinks he can work with, uh, Barry Trotz usually goes along with it. Lou Lamarillo seemed to be convinced with the way that, that Mitch helped turn around Leonard and Thomas Grice last year. So I think that uh, was maybe the foundation of why um, the, the contract is certainly still stands out as being a little bit too long for a guy that that advanced in his career. And uh, he did take the loss on opening night, but he was pretty stingy and looked pretty good. Um, he's going to play again against uh, Edmonton tonight, and I think the rotation is going to kind of bear out these first couple weeks who who is the 1A and who's the 1B between him and Grice. So, yeah, it was, it was definitely a curious decision considering the way Leonard not only, you know, opened up about all of his personal struggles before he came here, but but saved the team. He was uh, he was their MVP through through all of last year, even though he only played a few more games than Grice did, and clearly uh, against Pittsburgh, he was lights out as well in the playoffs. We're joined by the Athletics' Arthur Staple, a longtime definitive voice in all things involving the New York Islanders, and a little bit of a shift in terms of roles and responsibilities on defense uh, for the last basically six seasons Nick Letty and Johnny Boychuk have been sort of the guys and tonight we're going to see Noah Dobson who won a couple picks after the Edmonton Oilers ended up drafting uh, Evan Bouchard who got into seven NHL games last year. Dobson's won back-to-back -back Memorial Cups. Uh, what has Dobson shown so far through uh, preseason uh, and how excited are the Islanders about the long-term prospects for this player? I think they're very excited, you know, and he played a lot of lot in the preseason. I think he played five or six of the eight games, um, showed, you know, a lot of the, the skills that made him such a dependable guy in those two Memorial Cup winners out of the Quebec League. Um, and I think, you know, even if uh, even if he doesn't quite light it up uh, in his debut tonight or, or doesn't doesn't, you know, start off so well, Lou Lamarillo kind of gave a hint about how they feel about him. They obviously can't go to the AHL. Um, and I think they feel like him playing 30 or 35 minutes a night in the queue for a team that's not necessarily going to be another Memorial Cup type team is not really where they want him to be. So if he's here working with this team, developing good habits, playing maybe 50, 55 games as he subs in, there's obviously going to be injuries on defense. They've got 7D here. He's, he's playing for Boychuk, who's healthy tonight. Uh, he'll play for whoever gets hurt. He'll, he might get in the lineup and never come out. Um, I think they really understand what they have in him as, an, as a 19-year-old, a, a guy who's who's uh, calm beyond his years, who's who's always seemed to be a very um, composed, mature kid. Uh, we'll see what he's able to do paired with Letty tonight. Um, but I think through the preseason, he really hasn't shown that he doesn't belong. 
Well, the one, I mean, that's, Perrin's going to be able to skate because Thompson's <laughs> got tremendous uh, ability to skate. It's the one biggest difference. I mean, he's got an explosiveness in his stride. Evan Bouchard has got elite offensive instincts, but I think Dobson clearly is a guy that's a, a spectacular skater, much like Philip Roberg, who's the Oilers prospect coming up. We're joined by Arthur Staple from the Athletic. Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers now. Arthur, the... Uh, the Edmonton Oilers were in there pitching on Derek Broussard. The rumors that they went as high as one year, $1 million. He ultimately has signed to be the third. You talked about him replacing Valtteri Filippola. This guy, we use the term resuscitate the career for Robin Lehner. His career the last two years, like it's just, I mean, this was a guy that was a legitimate second-line NHL center, and he had to wait a while to get an NHL deal. There is an opportunity here for him in this system, isn't there? There is, and, I, you know, I don't, think he's ever been pegged as a guy who could who's a, a real system guy he was always a, a highly skilled guy he's a you know he's a sixth overall pick for Columbus a million years ago uh, became a you know a, like you said a number two center and a, and a number one power play guy in New York with the Rangers he was good in Ottawa the year they made the conference final uh, and really once he got dealt to Pittsburgh it seemed like he kind of fell down the ladder a little bit and, and to hear him tell it about last year when he, he was traded twice Never really fit in in either of his quick stops after Pittsburgh, which is Florida and Colorado. Um, you know, he felt like it just, it was like he didn't even play last year. And honestly, he still put in 14 goals, which, you know, Val Filpola had an unbelievable year here for the Islanders last year, shooting 22%, and he had 17 goals. So I think if Broussard, who's playing some power play here, playing alongside Anthony Beauvillier and Leo Komarov, which... Not anybody's idea of elite offensive skills, but he and Bovillier seem to have a good chemistry going. Um, and I think all they want him to be is is a is a smart, capable guy. He's got to transition to being, you know, he's on the back half of his career now. He's got to be more of that dependable third line guy. They can move him up if they need to. He can play more power play if he needs to. Win some faceoffs. Uh, you know, Barry Trotz is very big on roles, and I and I thought when they brought him in that maybe he wasn't a guy who could fit into that role-based system of being a number three center, playing with some lesser skilled guys. But so far, he's he's been pretty responsible. He's been physical. It's still early, but um, but I think he's adapting to it and understanding that there weren't that many options out there to be on a winning team. And are there? Uh, you look at the Islanders, and maybe for me the biggest surprise was, you know, they got Honorsley. Uh, Brock Nelson, uh, Jordan Everly all signed here because they've still got two pretty important restricted free agents coming up in the summer. Obviously, Matthew Barzell, everybody knows about him. And Ryan Pollock has kind of emerged. I mean, he's, he can absolutely hammer the pill. Like, he can flat-out bomb. He bombed one last year uh, past Miko Koskin in a 5-2 win at the other building. But they still going to have some money to get Barzell and Pollock done as well. Well, and there's a third guy in Devon Taves who's made himself into a pretty uh, pretty important top four guy on their D, uh, although he's a little bit older and his career's a, you know his NHL career hasn't gone on for much, quite as long as those other two guys. But yeah, they you know they're sitting right now. They've got some contracts to come off the books next year. So you know Barzal, I think, is going to be uh, an interesting case uh, among those RFAs. Is he going to be the the Marner Matthews type of guy where uh, you know it's going to be eight figures that they're starting at, whether it's one of the bridge deals or whether it's longer term. Um, you know, he's been talking this summer like he's, you know, he, he wanted to see some some offer sheets from the guys right now. So I don't know if that means he wants to see one himself next year or wants to push it to the limit or or he wants to commit to being here long term, whether it's a big enough number. I, they've got plenty of room for him. He's their only star player. So they've got to make him a priority. Pollock is an interesting case. 
coming off a two-year bridge deal, um, you know, he's there. He's the closest thing they have to a number one defenseman right now. You know, I think Noah Dobson projects out a little bit better than yep. him. Uh, he's certainly younger and has the same sort of skill set. Maybe not the big shot, but but uh, you know, Dobson's a better skater. Maybe has some better offensive instincts. But right now, uh, Pollock and, and Adam Pellick are, are the guys that face off. Are going to be seeing a lot of Connor McDavid tonight. They saw a lot of Ovechkin the opening night. They saw a lot of Shifley and Wheeler uh, on Sunday. Uh, so I think that helps Ryan Pollock's case as a guy who uh, is going to be someone who needs to get paid this summer. So it'll be interesting. And, and I think the commitments they made to Lee and Eberly and Nelson were important for continuity. Nelson. There were no other number two centers out there. I think he put right. up a good enough year to be here. Eberly, his chemistry with Barzal, if they weren't going to get a guy like Panarin, and that was kind of a long shot, they needed someone to ride shotgun with Barzal for the next few years. And Lee is their captain, and losing their captain two summers in a row might not have sat well with the fan base. So you can see the reasons why they brought all three back. But it makes things a little bit interesting, and, and maybe there's um, you know someone that you wouldn't think about, a, a Josh Bailey or a Nick Letty, someone with a couple years left at a decent number that they're going to have to unload next summer to make room for those other guys. All right, uh, one final question for you, Arthur. We're here in Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. They've remodeled it a bit. Where, what's the split this year, this game? I can tell you, we have an Oilers now road trip that went into New York City, and some of the, they technically were flying in Wednesday, but a bunch of people flew in on the Monday, bought tickets at Barclays Center, could not get tickets for here when the game got moved. So uh, what's the split this year? And moving forward, what's the long-term vision for a full-time facility for the Islanders? Uh, well, it was 21-20, uh, 21 here, 20 in Barclays. They changed it as they changed this game. So it's 28 now here and 13 in Barclays. Um, you know, next year is, is projected to be the last year that they're going to split the buildings or not have a full-time new home. They're, they're Way better atmosphere here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, even even on Sunday, Winnipeg, uh, it was maybe 10,000 in here, and this place seats a little less than 14. Uh, it was loud. And Barclays, as you know from being there the last few years, it's hard for that place to get loud unless it's really, really packed to the gills. And, and it does get that way in the playoffs, but but this is the ideal place for them in the, in, as, if you're looking for a temporary home. This is where the fan base is. This is where they like to come, even though it still looks a little bit uh, antiquated and rustic. So um, they had the groundbreaking for the new arena at Belmont Park Racetrack uh, a couple weeks ago. There's a lot of earth being moved around there. So, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of Islander fans who have been hoping, uh, whether it's fans or players or coaches or even old owners, have been hoping for a new building on this, uh, on this island uh, tend to want to wait and see until there's, uh, they cut the ribbon and people can walk in through the doors in a couple years. But it certainly seems to be on target. Um, and if they're, if they're going to really be able to open it for the 21-22 season, it makes a lot of sense to play as many games as possible here next year to really get the fan base juiced up and make them remind them that this team is, is Long Island's team and it's going to be here for the long term. It'll be interesting to see how they, they move forward with a new era. Is, is Matthew Barzell really the guy? Is he the franchise figure? Bit of a step backwards last year, but we know he's got all the talent in the world, don't we? All right, we're going to press pause quickly here on Oilers Now, but before we do that, we're going to go to the injury report. It's brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Uh, bad news out of Pittsburgh. Evgeny Malkin out at least four weeks with a soft tissue injury in his leg. The quote originally was long-term, so we'll see what the recovery is like for Geno Malkin there. Nick Bukestad also out long-term for Pittsburgh. 
excuse me, with a lower body injury of his own. In Winnipeg, it just keeps getting worse on that Jets back end. Josh Morrissey day-to-day with an upper body injury. Forward Brian Little placed on injured reserve with a concussion. And then Dmitry Kulikov was granted a personal leave from the team. So Sammy Nikio and Nelson Nozier were recalled from the Manitoba Moose, but an already thin back end getting a little bit thinner there. Sherwood Park's Sam Steele was placed on the Ducks injured reserve this morning with an upper body injury. And in Detroit, Andreas Athanaseu out with a lower body injury. No timetable for either return there. Here at home, Riley Sheehan did clear concussion protocol. Will make his regular season debut tonight, uh, but taking his place on the injured reserve was Josh Archibald, who is experiencing flu-like symptoms. Still to come here on Oilers Now, we're going to get a one-on-one interview with defenseman Darnell Nurse. And at 1.35, Bob will return to the host chair from the hotel room in Long Island. And we'll check in with uh, Vice Chair of Oilers Entertainment Group, Kevin Lowe. It's Brendan Escott fumbling through Oilers Now here on 6.30, Chad. Hi, this is Mike Smith from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. Brendan Escott in the host chair right now. It's 124 in Edmonton. Stoffel. Check back in in about 10 minutes' time. Just uh, dotting some I's, crossing some T's out there in Long Island as they get set to take on. The New York Islanders at Nassau Coliseum. A reminder, that's a 3.30 face-off show. 5 o'clock puck drop tonight right here on 6.30 Ched. Got to remind you that some guests of Oilers now receive gift certificates to Japanese Village. Steak and seafood cooked right at your table. Visit their Edmonton South, Downtown, Northside, and Sherwood Park locations. Stoff was a busy man this morning. He also had a chance to catch up with Oilers defenseman Darnell Nurse. Let's hear what they had to say. Your first opportunity to play in this historic barn, uh, but the, let's just start a bit about the start of the season for you, uh, Darnell. How do you think it's two and zero out of the gate? How's it going? Yeah, it's going good. I think we've uh, starting to establish our game a little bit. We've won two very different games. I think uh, the first one when you're a little tighter checking is more the way we want to play, but um, finding a way to win the, the one against LA where it was high scoring, kind of back and forth too. Um, those are games you got to win two over the course of the year. So um, good. Good start. We need to, there's some things we're doing well, some things we need to clean up, but um, no, for the, for the most part, uh, just need to keep building on our game. Uh, you went through the experience of switching from obviously Adam getting injured, big loss for the team, teeth and bear. Do you sense now, I mean, look, you played lots of minutes the last couple of years, but you're now, and there's no question, you're a leader on this team, and you're now a veteran as well. And so is there ownership from your perspective in assisting a guy like Ethan transition into those minutes? Yeah, it's got a uh, little. Got to be a little bit of a change in my mindset. Um, no, I'm in fifth year now. I got to take uh, take a little more control over uh, over the game a little bit. But um, no, with that with that said, Ethan's a, a great player, great puck mover, uh, very smart, very smart player. So it's uh, it's been a pretty easy adjustment uh, over one over one game. And especially, you know, we didn't even have the opportunity to really practice together. We just kind of just got thrown into a 60 minute NHL game. Um, uh, so it's it's good to you know be able to kind of build off of uh, some things we did well there in LA. And, and continuing to uh, you know grow, especially uh, here when Lars is up. Uh, from afar, from up top, it looks like the team's playing tighter together, both offensively and defensively. Like a five-man attack, five-man back. Is that? Am I right in that perception? Like, do you feel like there's closer puck support defensively, especially? Yeah, everything's tighter. Um, I think that's you know, when you're playing that tighter game. Uh, you can see it as being a tighter checking game, but those being able to to support each other. 
and and take away um, offensive opportunities from the other other team creates offensive opportunities for your own team. So um, it's having that, uh, like you said, that five tight, uh, the five five back, five attack. I think that's been uh, kind of a slogan that Tips used uh, throughout camp and, and throughout earlier in the season here, and that's uh, how we need to continue to play. And like I said, we need to bring that uh, at every moment in the game. We can't just be uh, sporadically, but we're uh, we, we've built some some pretty good blocks that we need to continue to, to build on. Uh, good teams use the middle of the ice and when they break out of the zone. And it's clear Dave's incorporated in that, your guys, your game. How, uh, how, how challenging is that to sort of get a get a grasp of conceptually? Yeah, um, something we work on here in practice. And um, you see that the good teams that are able to create offense out of their, out of their own zone, they use the middle of the ice a lot. Um, there's a little bit of risk to it. Uh, you got you to gotta know that there'll be some, some hiccups and you got to live with those um, because the, the positives of it uh, truly outweigh the, the negatives. So you just got to you know, chip away at it. But as, as games go on and we use the mill more, um, our team will become more and more, uh, obviously spend less time in our G-zone, but also be more uh, of a threat offensively. And one final question for you. Just uh, Miko Koskin's obviously going tonight. Mike Smith can really handle a puck. Is it a different, does a guy have to refocus a bit when you got a guy like Mike who can pass as well as one of the defensemen as opposed to Miko who's maybe a little bit more traditional, although he came on you know, tremendously last year in his own puck handling abilities, but it is a different looking goal. Yeah, it's different uh, for sure. Uh, like you said, though, with, with Miko, he's very good handling the puck. I think it's a, an underrated aspect of his game, but um, yeah, it's a little bit different. When Smitty's out there, he's like a third defenseman or somebody in the league that can do what uh, that can do what he does. But yeah, with Miko, you make a little bit of an adjustment. But with that said, uh, you know, uh, you know, you have him back there, and he's uh, he's a great goaltender that uh, you know we lean on. Are you doing fantasy football this year? I had 166.1 points this week, so uh, on pace for GM of the year. Love that last one from Darnell Nurse. All right, it's 129 here in Edmonton. Stop, we'll check back in from Long Island. He'll be joined by today's headliner presented by Touchback Safety. That is Vice Chair of OEG, Kevin Loeb. Right now, we're off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.